Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're in a series called uh, Being a Disciple of Jesus. And today I want to continue sharing about this essential revelation that um, is not preached very much, but I believe it's foundational to understanding and living uh, as a disciple of Jesus. And that is to understand that we are slaves of Christ. We belong to him in, uh, and, and that he owns us and everything we have, uh, he owns. And um, that, that cuts very deeply. Um, you know, there are many analogies of our identity uh, uh, and our, uh, you know, as a Christian and um, our relationship with God. Um, for instance, many scriptures talk about us being sons of God, you know, and that particularly relates to the Father. He's the Father, He's our Father, we're His sons. And that's a beautiful relationship. And then again, particularly pertaining to Christ, Christ is the bridegroom, we are the bride. And again, that's another very beautiful relationship. But the third one, which is just mentioned just as much, is that um, of slave and master that God is our master and owner, and we are his slaves. Now, it's the reason why this isn't talked about so much is that the first two, you know, father, son, bridegroom, bride, you know, these are beautiful relationships. We understand that they go wrong sometimes, but we understand, we, we have an image of, of their beauty when they're right. But of course, when we look at the human analogies of slavery, of course, we see that that's associated with evil. And because slavery then has such a negative stigma connected with it, we find it hard to accept that analogy for our relationship with God. And because of that, um, uh, it, it isn't taught very much. But in fact, there is a word in the Bible for servant diakonos, and there is a separate word for slave, which is doulos. And actually, it's used many times to describe our relationship with God. In fact, the apostles, when they wrote the letters, for instance, in you know Romans, Philippians, and Jude, and Peter, and so forth, they didn't introduce themselves primarily as the apostle of Jesus, but as the doulos of Jesus, the slave of Jesus. Sometimes it's translated bondservant. But we miss this because the translations disguise this. Again, because of the stigma of slavery, when the translations were done, they tended to translate mostly, when it says doulos, they translated it as a servant, which it was easier to accept. And so unless you have certain translations, whenever it talks about us being slaves of Christ, um, it it doesn't translate it that way, it translates it as servant. But there's a fundamental difference between a servant and a slave. See, a servant is essentially in control of his own life, but he hires out his time. And so his boss, you know, has a certain authority over him. It's a functional authority that he, he does what his boss says to do within the realm of that job. And he hires out his time, but fundamentally he belongs to himself. But a slave is different because the slave is owned by 
his master. And the slave uh, actually doesn't own anything. Everything he possesses is owned by the master. And so, although we would see this as an evil thing in human relationships, yet as far as the relationship with God is concerned, it is entirely appropriate. Because God created us and he redeemed us. So he owns us for two, on two levels. Let me tell you a story like a boy who had uh, built a beautiful boat and that was his pride and joy. And he went off to the lake to sail this, his, this boat, this yacht. And uh, unfortunately it got caught up by the wind and it got carried away far away where the boy couldn't reach it. And he lost this beautiful uh, yacht. And a few years later he's walking uh, in, and he sees a, a second-hand shop and there in the window is this beautiful boat that he made. And now he has to go in and he actually has to pay the price to purchase it, to get it back. Even though he made it, he's now having to pay a price to redeem it so that he can possess it again. And uh, now he has it. It's his twice over. It's his by right of creation and it's his by right of redemption. And in the same way, you belong to God. First of all, he created you. That gives him the right of ownership over you. And even though you were lost, actually, because of the fall, as it were, mankind was lost. Um, nevertheless, Christ came. And out of his love, he redeemed you. He paid the price for you to be purchased back to him so that now you belong to him and he comes back and if you accept that purchase for yourself you come back into his possession and now you belong to him and so we we are owned by him and it's not an evil thing because what might be evil in human relationships is not necessarily evil in our relationship with God for instance there's things that for, for we, we would say, don't, don't judge. You know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So it, while it's not appropriate for us to take vengeance, and in fact, it would be an evil thing for us to take vengeance against someone, it isn't wrong for, for God to, to, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That means God has the right to punish. So what is evil possibly for, for men is not necessarily evil for God. So the master-slave relationship is actually entirely appropriate between God and his creation. And that's the relationship that we have with God. Now that we're redeemed, we come back into his ownership and he has right of ownership over us. And that means that every blessing that he gives us is actually owned by him. We are his doulos. And if we embrace that revelation, that will really set us free. I believe you'll, you, you will experience that. And so this is a relationship we need to embrace. Just like father, son, just like bridegroom, bride, we need to express that. We need to understand that when we say Jesus is Lord, that is saying more than he's my boss. He has a superior authority to me and therefore he has the right to tell me what to do. That only goes so far. That essentially puts you into a servant relationship with him. But you need to understand the origin of this word Lord. When it says Jesus is Lord, it's the Greek word kurios. Now in the Hebrew, uh, there, are, there are two words that are equivalent. Uh, 
In the Hebrew, there's Jehovah or Yahweh, and that, of course, is the personal name of, of the Lord God. And there's also the word Adonai, and this word Adonai means master, owner, and both are names for God. And Jehovah is his personal covenant name, but also Adonai means that he's our owner. Now, when it, the, the Hebrew Old Testament got translated into the Greek Septuagint translation, 200 years before Christ, both words were translated as kurios, Lord. And so, they, so the word kurios carries the fullness of meaning of both Adonai and Jehovah. And so when we say Jesus is Lord, we are saying he is God, he is Jehovah, and we are saying he is our owner. He doesn't just have superior rank to us, he owns us. And therefore he has the right to define who we are, he has the right to define our future, he has the right to, um, to have control over us, and he owns all our blessings. And if you have a submissive heart to God, you can rejoice in that reality, that God is your owner, and everything you have from him is, 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 is given to you, but you don't own anything. You are owned by him. Now, our flesh rebels against that. We don't want to be owned because we want to be independent. We want to be our own God. And so we, we see that the rebellion of man against God's ownership, God's right to define who we are, in, particularly in a lot of the sexual issues going on around now. But the essential sin we saw this last time in the Garden of Eden is that Adam and Eve rejected God's ownership, not just of the garden. In fact, they acted as if they were the owners of the garden by taking from the tree that God forbade them. They were saying, we refuse your ownership of the garden. We will take whatever we want. We are going to act as if we're the owners. And that caused them to be excluded from the garden. But their sin was worse than that because they didn't just reject God's ownership of the garden, they rejected God's ownership of their very own beings, based on that he created them. And that's when they said, when they, they agreed with Satan, when he said, you can be your own God, knowing good and evil within yourself. In other words, you can have the control in yourself. You can cast off God's control over you, God's uh, that you have to depend on God. You can be your own God. And when they embrace that, they rejected God's ownership, as Satan had done before that. And they became, they tried to become their own God, independent from God. And that's the very essence of sin, is to cast off God's ownership and become independent from God. And the moment they did that, before that, they had God's life flowing in them. Uh, and they were spiritually alive, and they had every blessing of God. The moment they claimed ownership, and that's called covetousness, um, they were cut off from the blessing of God. God said, right, you have disqualified yourself from my blessing. By trying to own it, you cut yourself off from it. And at that moment, the life of God stopped, and they died. Spiritually, they died, and that led to physical death. 
And did they discover freedom in that? No, they didn't. Because by rejecting God's ownership, they refused to be slaves of God, as it were, but they didn't find freedom. Because what Satan didn't tell them is that the moment you do that, you become slaves of sin. And they came under the, the power of sin and Satan. They didn't become free. Uh, they were deceived. They became slaves. The only difference is before they were slaves and they were owned by a wonderful, loving, gracious God who would have given them all things, love, joy, peace, everything. But now <clears throat> they were under the hand of a harsh, evil slave master called sin and Satan. And things got worse from there. And so this is the very key issue. Do you see yourself as independent, owning yourself, or that, that God owns you and he has the right of control over your life? And, and, we, and we saw that there's this paradox that Jesus said in Matthew 5.3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In other words, you have to, if you accept that you are poor, what does that mean? That you own nothing then you're blessed and you have everything, you see. If you renounce ownership and if you submit to God that in your very being you belong to God, then you are qualified to, to receive the blessing of God that will give you everything. And Luke also says something similar, but he says, blessed are the poor. He doesn't add in spirit. So once you accept that you are poor, even in your physical things, that that what you own, your wealth, your house, your thoughts, whatever it is that you have, you understand that it is not your, you do not own them, that they are given to you by God in his grace. Then you won't take them for granted. Then you'll be grateful for them. Then you will be open to possess everything God has for you. But the moment you try and own it, you cut yourself off from God's blessing. This is an important revelation. For the flow of God in and through us to be unimpeded, we have to deny ourselves. That is, we have to claim, deny our claim of ownership over ourselves. Then we will be free to possess everything God gives us with thanksgiving. If we act as if we own the blessings of God, that will cut us off from the source of the blessings. As what happened at the beginning with Adam and Eve. They got cut off from the blessings of life and the blessing, the physical blessings too, because they wanted ownership. Why would you want ownership? So that you have control, so that you have independence from God. God wants to bless you with everything, but he doesn't want to bless you in such a way that you use those things to become independent from him. He wants you to possess them in such a way that you stay dependent on him. And you do that by acknowledging his ownership. You see, that's what Jesus was saying. To be a disciple, this is a f the foundational revelation. Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to follow Jesus, he says, let him deny himself. Let him deny his ownership of himself. Let him deny his independent soul life. And he says, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life or own his life will lose it. You'll lose it because it will come under the power of sin and it will be lost. But whoever loses his life, whoever surrenders ownership of his life for my sake will find it. 
Hallelujah. Because you'll, you'll receive the blessing of God. You'll experience real life. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? In other words, if you try and hold on to your life, if you try and own your life, then it says you will lose your soul. To what? To sin and to Satan. And you will lose the ability to receive the blessings of God. What will a man give, he says, in exchange for his soul? And so this, this revelation of ownership is foundational to discipleship and to spiritual growth. Let me tell you a story to illustrate this. Uh, there's a, a man, you know the story in the Bible of the pearl of great price. And there is a merchant man who hears about this, this pearl and he wants to buy it. And it's so valuable. He's, he's ready to, to sell everything he has to buy this pearl. Now you can apply this in two ways. First of all, you can apply it as Jesus. Jesus uh, sees us as that pearl. He, we are so precious to him that he was willing to give his everything to, to have us. But also you can read it the other way around because our response should be the same to Jesus. Because he treated us as the pearl of great price, we should treat him as the pearl of great price. Which means to possess Jesus, we need to be willing to give everything. And so if we imagine this story, um, the man comes along and he says, um, okay, I, wa I, I want to ha have this. How much will it cost me, this pearl? And the answer is, well, it will cost you everything you have. Okay, I'll do that. How much, what do you have? Well, I've got £10,000 in my bank account. I'll give that to you. Okay, what else do you have? Well, no, that's it, really. That's it. Um, well, what, do you live in a house? Well, yes. All right, your house too. Um, well, dear, oh, my house too. Well, I'll have to live in my car then. Oh, your car too. Um, well, what will my family live? Oh, you, you have family, do you? Well, your family too, your wife and your children. We'll have that too, please. Um, uh, and all your things in the house, they're yours too. And he said, well, that's, that's literally everything I've got. And he said, oh, oh, no, by the way, there's one more thing. You too. You belong to me now as well. Uh, but I'm going to let you stay in your house. I'm going to let you use your car. I'm going to let you keep your wife and children. In fact, everything you can have. But remember, you are not their owner. You are not the owner. I am the owner now. And all those things are for me and to be used for my glory and in a way that is agreeable to me. And that is the nature of our relationship with Christ now. He has purchased us. We belong to him. The Bible says we are, you've been purchased with a price. You are not your own. You belong to God. Your body and your spirit belong to God. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, because you belong to God. And uh, once we understand this, we can, it's, to surrender to God is very natural and easy. And so I, when I am poor, in other words, when I renounce ownership, then I am blessed. Blessed be the poor. When I am poor and I accept that I own nothing, then 
The door is wide open for God to bless me with every blessing because he can do that without corrupting me because I have surrendered ownership to God. Covetousness is wanting to own what actually is only God can own. Um, Covetousness is, again, wanting to own it so I can establish myself in independence from God, Um, so I can operate independently from God. And that's the very thing that will cut me off from the blessing of God. And so we need to understand that, and we need to embrace the fact that we are slaves of God. In fact, the Bible says you've got a choice. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. You you can't have it both ways. Now, when we talk about slavery, I, I think I ought to make it clear that in a few hundred years ago, we think about slavery nowadays. We think particularly about African slavery from a few hundred years ago. That was a particularly evil form of slavery. All right, I won't. You'll, you'll probably realize that. Uh, and um, and so, but we shouldn't have. When the Bible talks about slavery in the New Testament, you, we you shouldn't really have that image in your mind. Now, in the first century, and when the Bible uses the term slave, there was, slavery was very much part of the Roman Empire. The Greek-Roman slavery, in fact, one-fifth of the empire were slaves. But they were, it wasn't like the African slavery, okay? But nevertheless, on the, on, if a master had these slaves, they were his property. And their lives were controlled and defined by their owner, and they, owned, they owed their owner total devotion total devotion. However, they, you know, having said that, a slave's life could be very good. If he had a loving master, um, he would possibly have a better life than a lot of free men. He, he would be provided for, his master would provide all his food, his lodging. He would, um, he would possibly, if his master was important, he would have great respect. He had a chance of freedom. Uh, of course, if he had an evil master, then of course he he would have a very hard life. But again, it's not to be compared with with the African slavery that that we that was so terrible. But but you see, slavery under an evil master would have been terrible. And that's what it's like to be a slave of sin and Satan is terrible and will result in hell. But now Jesus has come. He paid the price with his blood to set us free, to redeem us from that slavery to an evil master. But when we are accept the redemption price, he didn't just pay the, the blood to set us free from that slavery uh, so that we can just be our own person. No. He set us free from that slavery so that we could become slaves of Christ. The difference is now well, we have a wonderful, um, loving, generous master who wants to shower us with every good thing. He wants to bless us as long as we remember that we belong to him and that he is our Lord and master. Then he will give us all things. So Jesus came to set us free from the slavery to sin, and to enjoy true liberty as, as, his, as his slaves. And so we, to live that life, we have to deny our ownership 
and then we qualify to receive the life of Christ. I believe that's why often we find it very difficult to live the Christian life because we're trying to do the Christian things, but we're holding on to our independence from God. We haven't embraced the truth that we actually now belong to God. We have been purchased with a price. And once we can embrace the fact, let me read it to you, 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you have been bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And once you realize that you have been purchased, that means you own nothing because you are owned by God. A slave doesn't own anything. So all the blessings of God that God gives you, that healing, that blessing, that joy, that wisdom, how you handle that is vital, because if you now covet it, if you try and hold on to it and be the owner of it, you then cut yourself off from any future supply. And so what you need to do, and we'll share with this next time, is surrender it to God. Don't try and control it. Don't try and control the Spirit of God. Don't try and control the blessing of God. Thank God for it. Acknowledge God as the source. And if you release ownership to God, then that, that wisdom, that blessing can flow through you. And God, there can be no limit on how much God can bless you. But the minute you try and grab hold of it and control it, then the blessing will, will dry up. I believe this is the number one key. We need to understand God as El Shaddai and Adonai. El Shaddai means he is the God who supplies. Um, he is the God who's strong when we're weak. When we realize we are weak, we need him every moment of the day. We need his strength because we own nothing in ourselves. We contain nothing in ourselves. We turn to El Shaddai and El Shaddai fills us with his strength. And so we thank him for his grace. And then Adonai means he's our owner. He owns. Even that grace that he gives us, he owns. And because we know we own, he owns it, that which he gives us, we surrender back to him. We give it back to him so that he has it. And we live our lives unto him. And because we know him as El Shaddai and Adonai, we can stay and we can abide in the river of God. That's what God wants for us. Rather than holding on to the bank in covetousness, we let go and we trust the Spirit of God to flow through us. But we have to release control and let God control us. And then all things will be ours. God bless you. Amen. In this series, we are really learning what it is to be a disciple of Jesus and, and understanding these things is what causes us to grow spiritually. And I've written a book called Growing Up Spiritually because God doesn't want us to stay babies. He wants us to grow strong in, in, as Christians. And so let me encourage you to have this book. Also, if you order the book, we'll send this to you free as well. It's the good news. It's my gospel booklet. It'd be great to refresh yourself in the gospel. And also you can use this to witness to others. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11am Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service. Or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH.
You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.